0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Performance Advantage podcast. We're going to do things a little bit differently this time. You're going to hear some new music that you've never heard before. You're not going to hear the normal Performance Advantage podcast music. I know you love it. We love it too. But we're going to do things differently because we were guests on another podcast. Both Will and I were guests on different times for different topics on endurance innovation. They make an awesome podcast. They do some killer topics that we know you're going to love. And actually, we thought you'd really like these episodes too. So what we're going to do is we're going to play them now. And let us know what you think because this is really fun for us to be able to share with you. And we actually had a really good time doing these episodes. So hopefully there's more to come. And if you recognize Michael's voice, it's because he was also a guest on our podcast. And if you didn't hear that one yet, we talked about aerodynamics and he killed it. It was a really good podcast and we held him for way too long. He had to go pick up his kids and he was like trying to get away and we couldn't like catch his drift for way too long. Uh, Hopefully he still went to pick up his kid, but you'll recognize his voice and here it is.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast.
2: hey everybody and welcome back to endurance innovation and it feels like I've been doing these shows solo for so long that I don't even know how to uh, introduce people anymore but uh, we have uh, we have two folks on the show today well one of them is Andrew who's <laughs> yeah, been Yeah, that, uh, that was
1: a subtle dig at me
2: <laughs> who I've allowed back on the air with us because uh, he, he's been he's been banished for for the last uh, handful of weeks uh, and then joining Andrew myself is uh, dr. Willow Connor who uh, kindly agreed to come on the show uh, after I was on their show talking about uh, aerodynamics. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But uh, Will, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, agreeing to talk about running with power, which is uh, one of your, I think, one of your many areas of interest. And before we jump into that, uh, Will, if you don't mind uh, giving the listeners a little bit of a background in your, uh, you know, your scientific pursuits, uh, your coaching uh, practice, as well as your, your athletic uh, achievements.
3: Okay. Quite a bit to go over there. Uh, first of <laughs> all, obviously got to say, thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Yeah, That's <laughs> uh, the standard, right? Um, so yeah, where, where does it begin? I guess I was... I yeah wouldn't consider myself have, having been an endurance athlete as a teenager. Uh, so I'm 33 now. Uh, and I started triathlon at university. Okay. So I was uh, um, based in New Zealand. Rugby, rugby is everything. Uh, and I was pretty <laughs> good at, at rugby. Um, so I was uh, in the top college division um, or like, you know, high school division here. Um, and that kind of means everything. Like when you're in the first fifteen, you're, you're you're a baller, so you're something, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, and um, that that had everything for me. Like I had the drive and the the competition, and everyone's just in that same, uh, we're in the same school environment trying to perform. And then I left for university, and uh, I moved away from home, and so obviously, along with uh, rugby, is also a large drinking culture, as there is at university. Uh, and sure. I went uh, full, full on into that. Uh, and <laughs> you, you took it up professionally. Yeah, almost. Yeah. I was definitely <laughs> doing back to back days, double days, you know, um, I was really committed, uh, performed oh, well good. as well, performed really well. Uh, not at <laughs> university, but <laughs> so, so yeah, I was doing um, doing an undergraduate and in, uh, in engineering uh, drinking a lot, playing rugby, and the rugby was different. It was uh, once you went from school to club, uh, there wasn't that same cohesion of we're all in this to to perform optimally. Um, and so I was, yeah, a little bit, I guess, over it, okay. burnt out a little bit. And uh, so so I was like, oh, I've always enjoyed running. You know, I always enjoyed, I did okay at cross country and things. And then I was like, oh, running seems boring. Uh, which is funny now because like i'd run ultra marathons <laughs> uh <laughs> so it's like well we can talk about that 180 in a little yeah, bit <laughs> the um so in new zealand we have uh hamish carter and bevan doherty who went gold and silver at the athens olympics and it, it mm-hmm. uh so this is back 2000 and end of 2007 athens was 2004 so this is prime time everyone's like still on the triathlon buzz big time. So I was like, I'm going to do triathlon. I'm going to do this. So I swam as like, I stopped swimming when I was 12. So I'm coming in as like every, probably every one of your listeners, like classic adult swimmer. Like, yeah, I'm good. And then you realize you do like one length. You're like, how is this, how,
0: how is this so
3: hard? I can, I can run. It was like four. Yeah. And so, So that began that journey and uh, pretty quick acceleration um, in triathlon because I was studying, then gave up on engineering, went into biochemistry and, uh, yeah, had some great, great, uh, just amazing training environment in Christchurch. So if you guys follow ITU at all, um, Andrea Hewitt was based there Um, and then now uh, uh, Ironman champion uh, Mike Phillips – if you've ever heard of him, he's won Ironman New Zealand. Mm-hmm. He's, um, world's fastest debut Ironman. Um, who are, oh, there's just like all these guys, uh, and girls around. And so Mike Phillips at the time, I mean, he was like, I was like 19. He was like 17 and, uh, we had this carpool and we'd all go to, to the swimming pool together and then we'd all oh nice ride and we'd all get drunk on Saturday and then go for a long ride on Sunday. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was awesome it was just amazing and so yeah i just training with all those like itu guys i i got really quick quite fast and then um because of the swimming i just leaned towards the non-draft stuff and uh mm-hmm. yeah did did really well at a at a half iron man here in new zealand i was like oh cool yeah you know i was 22 or something and it's like oh i'll just go pro you know that's it that seems <laughs> easy enough like i'll just once i finished <laughs> um my honors degree um which I did an undergrad biochemistry, then went to sports science, uh, for the honours, and then moved to Australia, uh, to the Gold Coast and it's like, yep, this is this is me. And then I just got my ass handed to me. I was like, one, I was so <laughs> overtrained. I was like, I'm gonna do I'm doing thirty hours plus um every week. Uh all the training. All all the training. Give me the training and I will I will do it. I'm so smart that i know everything and i know how to do it and so yeah i just and that was, this was so eye opening like uh, we didn't have a cast i was biking everywhere and and training like i was only recording <laughs> training time not like commuting yeah. or anything and um yeah yeah now i was like wow these these guys are good man like they they really treat it as a job um mm-hmm. you know they were like the, the folks you were competing against? Yeah, you? yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of the professional sports side of things, I was like, this is, yeah, way different than what I was expecting. Um, the level. They're probably skipping the, the Saturday night drinks as well. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, skip started skipping those too by that stage. <laughs> um, but then, uh, yeah, along that journey, I kind of, um, picked up a couple of friends as athletes, like to to coach mm-hmm. them because they're like, man, you really know what you're talking about. Cause I was just so passionate. You know, and the biochemistry and then the um sports science post grad is just I just talked to them all day on the bike about all this stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, I don't I think my, you know, you could do better than my coach. So picked up a couple of ITU athletes and then um they did really well under 23 national champs and then a junior athlete uh, who ended up getting a medal at the youth Olympics and then was in New Zealand team. And so then I got uh, like sort of skipping around a bit here, but like, so the the triathlon pro triathlon didn't work out. I was like, nah, I, the science stuff and this like coaching stuff, I really enjoy. So I came back to New Zealand and started a PhD because I didn't want to get a job and i'm pretty sure i wasn't charging for my coaching by that stage so um so i was like yeah cool do a phd they like pay you to go to uni that's easy um (laughs) and yeah that began began the journey of like the research so i won't get into that too much because it was on low carbohydrate ketone supplements and um i've actually really stayed away from from my background in all the low carb stuff because it's it's so polarizing that yes, for sure. um yeah that I just kind of like backed away from it. <laughs> uh yeah. and so so with that, yeah, and then just picked up more, started getting more um, you know, people coming through the lab. And can you coach me? And then so I mm-hmm. my supervisor and I started a business and yeah, I went away with triathlon New Zealand to the world champs in Chicago and Edmonton oh, and cool. um I was still doing triathlon like very competitively. Uh, and then when I needed to write my thesis, this is maybe five, six years ago now, I was like, oh man, I can't be spending like five hours a day training. <laughs> I need to, <laughs> and, and then sleeping like the rest. I need to like really focus. Um, yeah. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> I'll just do running now, I'll just do ultra running. <laughs> yeah
2: well it does i mean if there's you know you can we've talked about this a little bit in the uh, on the show before you just can't you just can't accumulate the same amount of volume if you're if you're only running versus if you're doing three sports or even if you're just riding just because of the the nature of the loading on the body so yeah
3: from a, from a time uh efficiency perspective i think that was that sounds like the right move What? yeah um not that i was training five hours a day but uh it's yeah just not having to worry about the swimming pool and the bike and everything it's just mm-hmm. yeah i still did quite a bit because i couldn't handle more than about 80ks a week of running um you yeah. know first converted i guess uh and so so yeah and then did okay my first 100k um mm-hmm. which uh i wrote about because uh it says i the article is i i ran a i ran 100k with a power meter yeah. So, and then that just kind of because that was um, very, very first stage stride with a heart rate strap. I remember that. I I had one of those because
2: uh, I was um, it was it was loaned to me by. Uh, if an individual who's working for the for a local triathlon publication, because she had it on loan from them, and she goes, "Yeah, do you want to give this a go and see? Let me know what you think." Because I was sort of, you know, at that point, I was testing some 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 kit for them, and I couldn't even get it to work. Like, it just yeah. said it wouldn't pair. It had, it had all sorts of issues. I'm like, ah, this thing's a piece of junk. I'm Like, I, you know, or or at least I couldn't I couldn't get it to go. But I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, the early stride. Yeah, and
3: so. So, yeah, then I was finished with my PhD and kind of went into coaching. I was doing teaching and and stuff. And then just the beginning of this year, last month, I went full on. I guess I don't want to say full on coaching because I do a lot of coach education. So Matt and I, who I do the Mm. podcast with, we have courses. We do some of the education. We're coach educators for Training Peaks. Um, Cool. And so we also have our own uh, online USAT courses and stuff so mm-hmm. that's kind of a growing area and i'm writing a
2: book that's very
0: cool
3: so. so you're still
2: you may not be training 30 hours a week but you're still like very ensconced in the in the sports coaching science yeah so now are yeah. running and, um, um world yeah
3: i'm yeah one of those like i'd sub sub elite ultra i guess yeah um yeah uh, yeah going for like a 220 something marathon uh this year so so um an excellent uh, an excellent person
2: to talk to about uh about training with power training with power on the run and uh, uh obviously cycling power is something that Andrew and I have covered uh at length um Andrew having you know recently been working with four eyes and their and their manufacturers of power meters for for the bike and uh that's a topic that we've discussed quite a bit and we actually did have In the very early stages of our podcast, we did have uh, Steve Caladino talking about training with power. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was probably our first, you know, zero to 10 episodes. And he he did a a really solid primer, but it has been a really long time since we've touched on the topic. So it's uh, well over. That episode
1: was very well received. It was one of our most popular episodes from early on.
2: Mm-hmm, for sure yeah and he's definitely one of the one of the uh i would say the at least in in my conception of it the leading thinkers uh from the coaching side on uh using running power meters uh in the states at least
3: yeah steve palladino and i are definitely different so S- steve um he would definitely uh probably yeah I'm, well i don't actually know too much about how how far into the physics and the mathematics of of things you get, from my understanding, a little bit. So, um, oh, for sure. he's uh, he's full on in that, like he is. Uh, if yeah, I don't know if there's like a spectrum of like full full physics science, and not I don't yep. want to say science because I'm science too, but like full physics mathematics. He's he's really far right on that. Like, yep, this is these are numbers, and you are just like the object that fits the numbers <laughs> hmm. and and we'll try and like you you need to fit the models and then we can plug you into them uh whereas mm-hmm. i would be probably more in the middle of like a, a combination of that but then the combination of the actual practicality and who is like just to jump real far ahead like running effectiveness Converting running speed and power into meters per second divided by watts per kg, like no one's doing that. <laughs> like no one's gonna do that. No one's even gonna take leg spring stiffness and divide that by weight to get a like relative measure. No one's doing that. No one even knows what running power is. So like Yeah. Well <laughs> um, I'm so I'm not there and but I'm also not like, oh yeah, it's it like who cares? Or just um use it for going uphill like i'm kind of in the middle
1: so i guess maybe this is going to be an ill-suited question but um, uh, the the main question i think a lot of people have is when you're looking at power for cycling it's pretty obvious it's torque times uh, rpm so you're you're just directly measuring a force. Um, so it's something that's very easy to convert to a power number. We can relate it back to metabolic efficiency fairly well based on mm-hmm. empirical data. Um, but when you're looking at running power, um, yes, there is going to be some metabolic cost, some metabolic power that you're you're generating. But how does that actually get measured? Like, is it the, the traditional power measurement of uh, force times distance, for example, or force times speed, rather? Um, or is there a lot more going on because cycling is fairly well constrained running uh given the (laughs) the number of different gates you can see um it's not a a very well constrained activity and there's going to be like you said a lot of effectiveness a lot of efficiency differences
3: yeah they so the um none of the direct like the algorithms are published or they're all proprietary Mm. uh so On the most fundamental level, yeah, you've got um, force equals mass times acceleration. uh, And then you have um, power, uh, which is the force times velocity. Uh, And so when we have, as far as I I understand it, when we have the mass times acceleration to determine force, which is like the force you're applying on the ground, you have your mass and then the, um, the accelerometers measuring displacement. So that's kind of your acceleration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the, so you kind of can determine force output through that. And then the velocity is how fast you're moving. Um, and that can be measured pretty accurately through the accelerometers, the, like this, the three dimensional displacement. Um, and so you plug those numbers in. <laughs> And you get your power number. So I'll start off with my analogy of cycling compared to running. And I think that will set you guys up pretty well. Okay. So we have, um, I have to remember it. So runner dependent, rider independent. So that's pretty much what you need to remember. So when we have runner dependent, rider independent. So rider independent means the strain gauge is going to measure a power output or force talk whatever you want um regardless of who's on the bike all three of us can get on the same bike and the power number is going to be relative you know it's going to be measured Mm -hmm. to us because it doesn't need to know anything it just needs the strain gauge is just going to measure whatever's put down on the pedal Mm -hmm. um so we can all use that whereas running power being not having a direct measurement uh outside of the accelerometers not having that direct force measurement needs to know your mass right and so now we're all different right uh and so so when we when you clip on my stride if you're not 75 kgs oh, and it measures height as well um so i, I don't know how that fits in but you got to input those mass and height now we're all different right so so now the the device the stride power meter or even if you have it inbuilt into your Coros, Wahoo, or Polar watches, or you're using the Garmin strap, um, now it's like, oh, well, you weigh this much, you're accelerating this much, uh, so that's that much force, and you're moving this fast, that equals 300 watts. You're like, oh, but I don't weigh that much. Okay, oh, well, now it's, okay, well, it's not 300 watts. (laughs) Yeah. so so do you see what i mean by it's like runners dependent on the Mm -hmm. actual runner the rider it doesn't matter the strain gauge is doing all the work um Mm -hmm. and so then when we're talking about running power we potentially aren't even really talking about power. Well,
2: Yeah. Can you define that for us? Like what, what, what are we measuring? Because like to go back to cycling and I think we're going to jump back and forth between these two things, because I think in our, in our minds, at least I know in mine and Andrew's and probably most of our listeners, cycling power is fairly well understood. So like when you're, yeah. So again, just very quickly, any any power you're putting into the pedal, you know, you're going to have some losses, which we talked about on on, on your show Will, yeah. last time. Yeah. It's going to end up in the tarmac or the you know the gravel or whatever uh, through your, through your drivetrain and your wheels, and and that's fairly well. Um, Correlated, as Andrew said earlier, to your meta, yeah. to the metabolic cost of producing that power. So the power that your power meter measures is mechanical power that you, the human operator, are applying to the bicycle in order to get it to go. And then there is obviously some inefficiencies in the metabolic power that's producing that mechanical power, which again, as Andrew said, we have a pretty good understanding of what how, how inefficient we are as cyclists. But with runners, what exa- What the heck are we measuring?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, the, the one point I was going to make on top of that is uh, with cycling, power we can use it to go back to a physical calculation of speed but with running power um, as far as i know anyway you can't just say oh i'm generating 300 watts this is my aerodynamic drag therefore there's my speed.
2: Oh um, yeah, there's all sorts of it. yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, that efficiency calculation is very very messy for runners. It's much more complicated. Oh yeah, and, no uh, way. There's no way you're doing And I it. guess
1: it ties into the question of does it really matter then if watts are truly watts or if it's just a number that we can use to gauge our effort, which is still very important, but not necessarily watts.
3: Yeah, it's an accuracy versus repeatability question. Yeah. Happens. They uh I I'd say we're not we don't know yet like yeah. so yeah with the the next f- phase of this discussion is like the the metabolic versus mechanical and actually mm-hmm. it measures both and it doesn't measure both <laughs> at times so <laughs> you're gonna have to unpack that a little bit will <laughs> we're just talking about uh i guess a hill and um stairs trail so I, i'm trail ultra um so i run a lot of trail so I'm thinking in my head when I was, I was running along, and then we got to this like really technical ascent. So I was like, had some mm-hmm. stairs and some roots, and uh, I start to go up. And now the the power meter that we're, now we're just talking about the stride at the stage. The my gate cycle now doesn't fit their model, right? So mm-hmm. so it doesn't really know what's going on, at it and for all intents and purposes, like I am walking. Like I'm just going up this mm-hmm. hill really slowly, so it's measuring mechanical and um, metabolic, I guess. So I'll backtrack that. It's um, well, it's trying to measure both, <laughs> but it's getting both wrong because, like, I am walking, so I'm not putting out that much power, but just because the terrain is, you know dictating kind of how fast mm-hmm. I can move and even um, at this, the steepness and the like being an ultra I'm just I'm not I'm not putting out a lot of power but but you're adding to your like potential energy because you're climbing yeah, right yeah. So you're, you're, um, you're gonna have to put in some power in order to do that some add some energy to to you the system in order to do that yes and and metabolically I haven't I'm still I'm using my arms you know to to yeah. if it's super steep um and my, my heart rate's not dropping to the extent that I would be walking, walking, you know. So totally. In that instance, we're, the running power meter is useless. It's not giving me any valuable information. I'm looking, like, in, in that sense, I'm looking at heart rate because pace or even normalized graded pace, n- none of that's going to tell me anything that I want to know. And then running downhill, so now we're getting... Large mechanical load, and so this is very important in running, where it's not in cycling, in that we are we're doing a large amount of mechanical and even metabolic work to run downhill. Totally, but the power meter is like, well, you know, you're the the way the you know the algorithms calculating the data is, you're not putting out that much force, so. You're, you're not doing that much work when the rate of work mm-hmm. is power. So your power is really low, but you're smashing yourself. If you were trying to stay at this, make it a relative number, 90%, like marathon intensity, right, on the downhill, you would be really, really working. You know, your heart rate wouldn't be 90%. It would be like 100%, 105% of threshold uh, to yeah. try and maintain. And then your legs would be blown apart. Uh, so... You guys have set me up for like all the negative stuff right at the start I know
2: but, well the, yeah but. that was that was not intentional, but i did i <laughs> there was definitely on my list of things to ask because one of the you know and again i I haven't like I said I haven't really imbibed the the literature from from stride or anyone else for quite some time. I was really gung ho when I first got the thing, but I, I I sort of let my my learning uh drop uh but one of the one of the initial you know you know purported benefits was that you could use this on trails and in hilly technical terrain and you could get much more accurate information on let's say okay metabolic power which is sort of what you were you know promised at at one point from them um and when i actually try to use it i didn't i i've had the exact same experience that you just described that you know my my heart rate my my ventilatory rate my rpe were way like worlds different than what stride was telling me and obviously then my what my pace was because of yes gate cycle changes because of i i don't believe that it measures altitude all that accurately i mean We've had conversations on how bad altimeters are, especially in, you know, small portable electronic devices. So I was like, yeah, this is nonsense. And so I kind of, you know, it, it's the, the credibility astride for me took a hit when I, when I found that out. So I'm, uh, I don't know. Validated, encouraged by hearing you say that it just doesn't work in that environment, and that's and that's okay, right? Like from 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 where I sit, it doesn't. As long as we know what to expect from a device or from a training intervention or from whatever. Any pick pick your technology here. As long as we know what to expect, we as long as we know what it does well and what it doesn't do well, so that we can you know, as both coaches and athletes um, make smart decisions about how we can use this technology, then we're golden. Like I think, I think we're, I think everyone, no one, no one has a right to be upset, but that was just my, my little bone to pick with stride. And I'm glad
3: you picked it for me. Uh, so yeah, it is, it is the nuance of these new technologies. It's, you know, if we think about heart rate, Matt and I just did this, a a show five reasons you should not train with heart rate. Right. We all know the pitfalls and, um, nuances of training with heart rate i think you guys just had someone on to talk about heart rate uh training and it doesn't mean we'd like throw it out the window totally <laughs> right because totally yeah. because these these numbers like heart rate come on you can't ignore heart rate like yeah it's, that's your that's your internal
2: internal energy right there yeah, that's like yeah. it's
3: probably the best the best right. most accept most accessible way to measure but if it. you're doing 30 second hill intervals just ignore heart rate the most part right you're not going to pace them off of heart rate it's ridiculous um and then when power like cycling power came out i don't know if you guys remember but it's like we've got speed and heart rate get out of here like with your bloody three thousand dollar (laughs) measurement i don't need you now it's like no one even no no one even looks at speed like how was your time trial yeah new new 15 minute pb power you know it's like did you did you even look like you could have been up on your hoods, like you guys aerodynamics yeah weird.
2: yeah um, but, well
1: I, I love when uh training peaks gives you a you know this is a 15 minute pb for speed well i had a tailwind i was on going downhill
2: yeah <laughs> yeah i know some yeah, of those climb to the top of the ski hill and then <laughs> yeah. i press start
3: some of those are weird eh? they don't have running yeah. power i'm trying to they don't super annoying they don't give you running power um like peak powers like notifications which is real annoying because that just seems like a really end like back end simple thing but uh anyway so so yeah okay that's that's the negatives okay so you there's certain instances where you just don't need to look at it but then Mm -hmm. when we get into the the benefits where we're looking at just a better, more objective measure, probably of of speed, okay, of of pace mm-hmm. and effort when you're versus running... GPS. You mean? Pardon. Uh, better indicator of speed versus GPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, uh, just pace. Just mm-hmm. um, you know, even if you're just taking splits per. Um, per mile split on during a race or something like that um, you're going to get using using run power you're you're far better far more accurately able to dictate your efforts when it fits the the model right and for most people you're Mm going to be doing hill intervals on a pretty standard kind of hill it's it's not going to be 20 percent rooty (laughs) <laughs> climbs right it's going to yeah, be fair, fair point, just fair point. like a, a, a pavement or a, a road even if it's um i use gravel yeah, yeah everyone uses that yeah. internationally yeah even if it's a gravel road like you're going to increase your ground contact time which is going to affect the measurement um mm-hmm. but affect it appropriately so it's going to show that you had to exert more force and you were less efficient so hill intervals yep yeah, amazing uh on the on the road like most people don't live in a dead flat um kind of dutch plains (laughs) right that Hmm. they they're going to have some undulations that are going to be involved in in their 10 minute tempo or their whatever uh and so in that sense man i just absolutely love uh, prescribing workout uh, workouts via power because people just stick to their numbers like you guys know with mm-hmm. cycling and you guys aren't saying oh yeah keep your numbers on a downhill and i'm not saying that either for <laughs> run power you're not saying yeah make sure you hold 120 of, percent of the interval <laughs> when you get on like a on a down um so and that's the same with running just ignore it you know just make just try and recover as much as possible focus on maybe these other metrics that it's giving you vertical oscillation ground contact time obviously uh, cadence stride length um and but then when you're running up a hill look at power look at heart rate forget pace Mm -hmm. and then if you've got a whatever your race is and it's got a lot of undulations in it if you're trying to go off of pace i just did a i have a blog coming out about the guy who did um blew he blew his his marathon to pieces um or not really like he's going for sub three he Did 306 but at the mm. start is hugely undulating and he's so fit right at the start he'd do he'd crest these climbs and he'd have kind of one minute peak powers of about 105 percent of of threshold but then one minute and then he's going and then he goes down the downside and so uh, and then he's back in zone or body re- bottom end of, say, zone three, kind of marathon power output. Um, so his heart rate barely blips, you know, because the downfalls and pitfalls of, you know, heart rate lag and that. Uh, and so, in, and if, and he's looking at pace, right? So it's like, yep, yeah, pace is good on the up. Mm-hmm. Pace is good on the down. Heart rate's good. Mm-hmm. No worries. But then I go, look, mate, within the first half, you did 10 efforts at equivalent of 5K <laughs> power output. <laughs> all right, oh, so wow, you, yeah. you accumulated like almost five minutes within the first half marathon at 5K power output. Heart rate was in zone, pace is in zone. Where else are you going to get that level of information? To Because otherwise you're looking at it and you go, look, man, I really don't know why you blow up. Did you eat enough? Yep. Mm-hmm. We had our nutrition plan, it was all targeted. Okay, maybe you weren't prepared enough. And then you have a look at this and you go, yeah there's no way you should have been holding a, a 129 through the first half when it had you know 150 meters of elevation mm.
1: now was this something i guess looking back that he would have been able to pick up doing or just uh, pacing off of rpe for example so i know rpe is always tough in a race environment because you've got adrenaline you've, you're excited um you're following other people who are probably pushing on the hills as well but uh in a retrospective view would he have been able to pace off that or was it only run power that would have helped to pick that up
3: yeah only run power would have been out because he essentially did run off of rpe um like uh andrew do you do do triathlon do you run i don't know yes yeah so you know how it is like when you do you've you've done i'm sure you've done a half marathon 10k whatever you kind of you find your zone and you just sit there you're not kind of running with a heads up display going like when the, when the, when the hill comes, unless it's a massive one, you just roll over it. Right. And, and we, and you, you don't run with power, but you ride with power. You especially know how quickly you can go from 200 Watts to 400 Watts on these pinch climbs without even noticing, mm-hmm. right. Your cadence mm-hmm. will drop 20 RPM and you just kind of grind it out to stay on top of the gear. Cause you can't be bothered changing gears so yeah that's it's in a marathon same with uh, like ultra running you just you're you're going so so far below your threshold that these fluctuations and output you don't it's so hard for rpe to be able to pick pick that up
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so if you're doing a 5k and you go over the same kind of hill then the rpe fluctuation would be a lot larger than if you're doing marathon
3: yeah yeah for sure but still in a 5k um I was we had this we got this one uh that i did with my wife and i was i was pacing her and um i had my running power meter on which i use when i pace her i just paced her last night actually um because i find it hard to feel her pace you know mm-hmm. how to you know, if you're i don't want to say pacing someone a bit slower she'll get annoyed at me but um <laughs> Or oh, if you're pacing someone, by definition, they're yeah, slower a otherwise. So, you're a
2: good
3: so f- for her, you know, she's trying to go under twenty minutes for 5k. Now, um, my threshold's like 340. So like a between four minute per K and 14 minute per K, I would I barely notice, right? But when you're at your absolute limit, like she's 105% of she's above threshold, those that's mm-hmm. massive. It's huge. It is yeah. massive. And so um then with gp it can it can really fluctuate a lot so in real-time power i can get like i can get a better feel and better guide as to like okay i just need to sit around 310 watts and i can Mm -hmm. dial that in but then so we're going up this this hill it's like this overpass that goes over the the highway and uh she just went to charge off and i was like no 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 like this (laughs) is 310 watts like this is the equivalent of four minute k's we yeah. were near jogging right um because uh just yeah it's because of the gain in potential energy which you just mm-hmm. would you just never know that when running you just you just try to hold i think when you're talking about rp you're more talking about your perception and proprioception of the ground and your movement patterns and you're not actually thinking about effort per se you are kind of thinking about yeah maybe that kind of displacement through time and space you're like this is what it feels like to run 430s this is what threshold feels like like swimming right you can dial that in yeah
2: it's a really interesting conversation and i think i i I agree with you almost entirely well i think that especially in in you know in race context it's you've got all these other you know elements that 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 uh, confuse RPE um, and uh, yeah, I think it's usually only towards the end of the race where you know the fatigue is starting to really build that that mm-hmm. then RPE maybe becomes a little bit of a better throttle, but it's also super individual, and it depends on the kind of the experience of the athlete and uh, there's lots of folks who are who are in you know, lots of coaches who are advocating using all of this technology to dial in your RPE you know, rather than necessarily like strictly pacing by whatever pace, power, heart rate. Um, but that that takes a lot of practice. That's like something that, you know, even some very, very mature advanced athletes have uh, have a tough time doing. And it, especially at the beginning of a long race, I would say I'm with you 100, 110 percent that like uh, using our PE to pace is is a, is a fool's errand um, <laughs> for, for long stuff. It's just like it's a recipe for, you
3: know, for missing your target by quite a quite a margin yeah i um well i just i just published an ebook actually you guys everyone check it out um a guide to ultra marathon success um and in that yeah i said what's the biggest what's the number one reason people pull out of a race and then it's not having a plan right but it's it's not training, it's the fact that they went too hard at the start like in an ultra marathon oh, it is just like you you're going so easy, it's crazy. It's just, <laughs> you want to run a hundred Ks and then like, you know, for, for me, my fastest time is just over eight hours. No one's, you know, no one's really doing eight hours. Like, um, most people are doing 12, 13, but even with eight, mm-hmm. it's like, you're chilling, you know, I'm that's five minute Ks. And I can run a marathon like at four, you know, three under three forties. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so then when you're going up a hill, you're going like, you're walking. are like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? You're not walking. Like in in a race. And so um so the more metrics we can have in that first you know, in that first instance and then yeah, RPE fully takes over later on. You're not looking yeah. at your watch being like, Oh, maybe I should pick it up now, it's ninety K's. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: okay so let's get back to uh, uh you know to the kind of the the advantages of using a running power meter so the the uh, you know pacing yourself pacing the effort not using pace in the strict sense um modulating the effort let's say uh on undulating terrain doing uh hill repeats where you're trying to hit a specific uh, intensity level that that makes a ton of sense anything else that comes to mind as far as uh, as far as utility of this
3: technology that especially you know in your coaching practice you use yeah the the next one is then the advanced metrics right so we have the absolute number the the power number and you yeah you can use that to better prescribe workouts and people can more easily stick to uh, a workout that's going to be the the relative um intensity that we're looking for right because mm-hmm. ju- just just like cycling power all right you don't want to say oh yeah, average 40 k's an hour and there's a hill in it it's like don't worry about averaging five minute k's when when there's some undulations just stick to 330 to 350 watts you know that's what we want and so athletes they actually love just being able to like switch off from that burden of strava opinion like it's like just like oh man if i don't upload if i don't upload this subfire it's just like okay we will see this and this is what i do um so there's that and then on top of that then we get these these numbers like ground contact time, vertical oscillation, um, cadence, which is an old one, uh, stride mm-hmm. length, leg spring stiffness. Uh, and then I'd say probably one of the most important, that feeds into form power. Okay, so we have the absolute power and then we have this form power number. That's essentially your lost power or your horizontal power. So that's the power that... Okay you're running in place power. Like it's like, Oh, that's a, that's a really great way to kind of like jump. If you like jump up and you're running mode, like form, this is how much it's costing you. And then, then you have your absolute number, which is like that number plus the number of that is actually contributed to you running forward. All right. So, so now with this form power, I look at that, not necessarily that per se, because we, we get form power ratio. Right. Okay. So form power. Ratio of form power to what? Absolute power. So uh, okay. I'll get in. So the the form power, pretty easy numbers. Let's just say you put out 400 watts and your form power is 100 watts. And then mm-hmm. so your form power ratio is 25%. Okay. Right. So 25% of your absolute power is, let's just say, being wasted. Mm -hmm. sure um and so i'll i'll look at that to see if there's areas we can improve um and so then i'll i'll look at that number and go okay the table of norms pretty much like if you're under 25 percent you're doing really well now when you're starting to get above 25 percent 30 percent um you're starting to lose a lot of power like you're starting you're, you're wasting a lot of energy and so this number we're using is like a proxy for a running economy. Okay. Yeah. Um and so running economy being like the the energetic cost of running a given speed. Now we're not measuring VO2 like oxygen and CO2. We don't have a gas analyzer. So we're not getting the direct measurement again, but we are getting a good proxy for it. Mm-hmm. And so then uh Andrew, you were saying, Oh, this this or Michael, there's so many things that feed into a good running form right and and running economy even especially like arm swing and hip position how do you measure that like with a a foot pod um but that's something that i can then you know recommend or say why don't you go through these drills or just practice arm swing or something like body position and then we can just like aerodynamics i guess and then you look at the numbers right and so and to see if that affected cadence, or does that affect ground contact time, vertical oscillation, and then did that correlate to a better form power, form power ratio?
1: So this kind of gives you, I guess, clues as to where to head with your training. So whether it's a fitness problem or whether it's a form and abilities or I can't think of the exact word, but uh, just the the general movements you're making, the gait Um so, and, and what to focus on for future training.
3: Yeah. And what's, what's happening when you speed up, you know, so is there a point at which you become really efficient or really inefficient? Hmm, interesting. And okay.
1: Equally, is there a point uh, in fatigue where you become very inefficient? Cause I would assume as you get tired, your, your form degrades significantly.
3: But yeah. And it's, it's super interesting when you look at the fatigue and then um, the associated metrics, because you end up spending longer on the ground and more time in the air, mm. so you, you your form power increases, right? So the your loss energy increases, but you're maintaining the same speed. So mm-hmm. when you're trying to maintain, say, uh, yeah, five minute k's for your marathon, you start to fatigue. You start to lengthen out your stride you start to slow your cadence because you're starting to rely on like larger motor units larger muscles that aren't as um aren't as well trained and so then uh so you become so much less efficient but you're looking at five minute case you're just trying to hold that as opposed to Mm -hmm. a power number where you would adjust your intensity accordingly um and so does that make
2: sense? No, no, I was, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a, of a follow-up question. I've got, I've got a couple about form power, but yeah, I know it, it all makes sense. Well, um, I'm curious how, like, has, uh, has form power, you know, you said it's a, it's a proxy for, uh, for running economy without having, you know, uh, a gas exchange lab strapped to your back uh, when you're doing this. Has
3: it, do you know if it's been validated against, you know, against tests like that? No, it hasn't. Uh, because I'm trying to think about what I just read, um, but it's escaping me now. Um, I think because of the individual variation, but I guess still mm. the reliability of the actual—if the numbers arbitrary, you know—if uh, it can still track—that's. Yeah. Um, I think that's where where running power is not there yet, in terms mm. of all these uh like validation metric like validative studies and we have so we have stride right that's number one it's probably the one everyone knows when they they think about running power Mm -hmm. i think so uh and so you know to do one to utilize just srm when we did all the first power metrics um Mm. probably wasn't gonna you know if that If they hadn't really nailed it, then everyone would have been like, well, cycling power doesn't work. But then (laughs) they at least indicated that they were doing something pretty good. And so then more manufacturers came out and so then we can get a larger sample and then Mm. it was more reproducible. And I think that's where we'll get to with running power. Yeah, as we talked about it's a much harder
2: thing to it's 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 a, it, because it's not a direct measurement it's a much harder you know nut to crack to get it to get it to fit and uh, I think you talked about this earlier Will is that you know they have an algorithm which and you pointed this out and we didn't we didn't really dive into it is that it they're all proprietary and nobody except for the company knows what that algorithm is and because of all the differences you know our individual differences and our like our injury history and our like gait cycle differences. Like there's, uh, I I always think well, I, there's, there's a guy who uh, who um, I have no idea who he is, but he always runs down my street and he he must have some kind of like there's clearly some kind of biomechanic like there's there was an injury or some kind of uh, issue because his stride is the most lopsided stride I've ever seen. And I'm really not knocking this individual because it's it's phenomenal that he's out there running. And there's and I'm sure it's not you know there was something mechanically. That's making him run the way he runs. And I'm just thinking, like, if you put a power meter on his left leg or his left foot versus his right foot, it's you're going to get a world of difference. And he is, you know, in my mind, the example that would totally not fit the mold. Um, But, you know, to your point, probably the vast majority of us have a have broad stroke similarities in our running in our running form, but it's just such a hard problem to solve for these uh, power meter companies to get a device that gives us something that is accurate and uh, and is representative of the individual whose foot it happens to be strapped onto.
1: Is that a huge problem, though? And this is just uh, a general question, but uh, when you look at power meters, the, the same guy, uh, if you put him, sorry, if you look at bike power meters, the same guy, if you put him on a bike and he's only got a left sided uh, crank measurement, he could have a 75 25 split. Um, mm-hmm. but most people argue that it doesn't really matter as long as it's consistent. So is, is a lopsided gate actually, like it may shift the absolute, but, uh, the relative performance may stay the same.
2: Well, here's where I will, well, here's where I, uh, push back on that one, Andrews, because again, because of, because in a bike in your, in, in the case of a bike yeah, power meter, it's a direct games. measurement, right? So you're absolutely right. Like it's, it's going to be repeatable, you know, mm-hmm. and it's going to, and there's not, there are definitely algorithms and you know, a lot this far better than i do of how how you know a, a, a power meter on the bike turns that you know torque and rpm number into a power number um but that is a i think i i, I get the sense of that that math is much more straightforward and much less reliant on on generalizations of the population than than a running power meter would so i would say I would still say that I bet this guy would get some really wonk, funky numbers if he had a, a running power meter versus, you know, the average person who Stride built their their device around.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I guess we just don't know with, with that because when I think because it's on your foot. Right. And, um, you know, what's super, super interesting is I've been trialing these Coros watches, you know, the brand Coros. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They're
2: super interesting for a lot of stuff that they're doing. And uh, I kind of want to have them on the show because I, I really like some of
3: the stuff that they're up to. Sorry. Go um, ahead. Yeah. Reach out. Uh, Derek, he's a US based guy. He just got employed as the okay. sports science marketing guy and put you in touch. But no, cool. um, please. So they're like, Test, how does this compare? And uh, I'd seen on DC Raymaker when he when they first came out with running power and the Koros and he he compared them and they were like really similar, like really similar. A chorus and stride you mean? chorus and stride sorry um uh, yeah. yeah and uh i was like okay so tested them out and yeah for the most part like almost exactly the same um huh. the chorus was is fully reliant on gps so there was some lag issues and but overall on average if you go you scroll back on my instagram a couple months i, I put up some comparative data and uh, it just tracked so well, and I was like, "Okay, so how hard is this metric?" You know, because that's a mm. watch on your wrist mm-hmm. versus a f- pod on your foot, and you're able to get mm-hmm. almost identical numbers. Interesting. Very. Because I remember interesting. When- when when
2: Garmin came out, I don't even know if you can even buy them anymore. But they, if you remember, they're like little um, uh, pod
3: that clipped onto the the waistband so of Cross your shorts. Cross has one of those, um, okay, and they don't yet incorporate that data into their running power number. But you do need it to get form power, because otherwise you don't get uh, any okay. like vertical oscillation, displacement, or like left right ratio or anything. I remember when that thing came out and the the, the
2: Stride and the Garmin Power were like worlds apart. Like there was like a 80% difference. It was something, they were like Garmin were giving you numbers. They were like, twice as twice as high or yeah. like you know 80 yeah. percent higher yeah and again these numbers they don't mean they, they don't mean anything to me anymore like or at and then and then i was like this is this seems totally arbitrary to me this is just like you know uh, i i have these conversations with some of my friends who are like big tech nerds and they're like yeah it's a random number generator It like it kind of makes it, this is this is uh this is uh sorry i'm diverting into aerodynamics but like so, sometimes uh we've had we've had uh Anyway, maybe I shouldn't say too much. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to cut myself off. Anyway, yeah, so it seemed like it was it they were they were generating numbers that were, you know, roughly um at least this Garmin device was roughly proportional to your speed or your your, you know, physical exertion, but
3: it was nowhere near what stride was. Yeah, I don't know what Garmin does, uh, but they are so messy. The data is just <laughs> so noisy. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um they really need to even if they smoothed it it could be better but um like i have because if you have a garmin watch and a garmin heart rate strap one of the newer ones Mm -hmm. hrm Try run pro um whatever then you just need to put the the data field on your watch and you can get it and Mm -hmm. if you i don't know if you can have if you can smooth it out like 10 second smoothing or something like that 10 second averaging uh but then you would uh that's a like that's a pretty good place to start like in terms of getting some information as to Because it is going to show you that if you're trying to maintain pace or perceived effort on an uphill, that you probably are working, like, significantly harder, uh, which you otherwise, you know, if you're doing an aerobic run, you might not get that from heart rate. Or if you're doing, like, a marathon-paced effort early stages, again, yeah, you might not get that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the Garmin ones, yeah, crazy. It's weird. And then, so... Polar and wahoo those watches have running power inbuilt, but i haven't um haven't had to time, haven't had been able to test those
1: well what i've noticed that's actually kind of interesting is um similar to what you're saying with you know using a foot pod versus a watch uh so the the initial running pace foot pod that um came out a number of years ago. Uh, I typically use that for treadmill runs, but I've got an Apple watch as well that tries to predict pace uh, based on hmm. your wrist movement. And it's not perfect, but it's better than I would expect. And I know that one of the keys to the the algorithm for the initial foot pod was, uh, you get this nice zeroing point each step because Usually when you're running, your foot isn't slipping on the ground. So you have zero velocity, but your wrist is always moving and accelerometer drift makes it really hard to, to capture that. Hmm. Um, so I, I just find it interesting that they have managed to get within, not, not a usable number, but I would say within 20% uh, based on something yeah. that's just floating in space.
2: That's interesting. My experience with Garmin, because Garmin watches, I think since the 920, if I'm definitely since the 735 onwards, have had. Um, you know, indoor pace without a foot pod. But in my experience, it's very individual. Like some some runners, it's nowhere near, like they're so far off that you might as well turn it off. And, you know, as as, ba- as inaccurate as, you know, treadmill speeds, maybe like use that a hundred percent of the time versus whatever your wrist is giving you. Um, whereas other people are quite close, like with other people. Right. And it, I think it's, it has to do, like you, you mentioned accelerometer drift, which I'm sure is the problem behind it. But I think it's again, having to do, I, I, you know, maybe I'm just, too hung up on on individual differences but just the way that people swing their arms obviously there's people who don't you know who carry their arms differently and uh, and will swing them differently to compensate for stuff that's going on somewhere else
1: i'll have to give the garmin a try because i haven't even tried it because it always just hooked up to my foot pod where the apple watch doesn't have ant plus so uh, (laughs) that was that was why i defaulted to that i'd never investigated it with garmin but uh, anyway i digress
3: um yeah, treadmill definitely like a, the the foot pod really works. And that's just a um mm-hmm. like especially if you're gonna do treadmill and zwift and stuff, you actually get power, which is pretty cool. But on the uh accurate GPS accuracy, yeah, setting up stride, this is another one of these like crazy quirks of um, accuracies of things. Is I've tested uh stride offline. So when I say offline, it's not connected to my watch or GPS, it's just the standalone device and it it records offline so it just activates by movement so once you start running it's starting to record and it's like within a hundred meters of over 10 kilometers of my gps measurement Uh, and so what you can do is you set it up so that um, it reads always so as in on, on instead of gps so you get a gps track but then for um something like trail running especially you get a way more accurate uh like uh, gps speed distance reading like Mm -hmm. way way more accurate um and this in my um i ran 100 meters 100k with a power meter i talked about this because i was like i i thought i was running um was yeah it's because it's going slower i can't remember now but anyway i like turned up at the aid station i was like what (laughs) like this was supposed to be in in like three or four k's and then yeah yeah, that's right so then but i was already there because my watch has been so far off and i was like man i've been running way too fast (laughs) because it's (laughs) it's saying like each kilometer is essentially 1.2 k's and so Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've actually run 1.2, but it's been like, yeah, you took six minutes to run that, K, It's like, no, I took six minutes to run 1.2. So I like...
2: Yeah, that's a real. That's a really good point. I find that that's. Um, I was going to ask you for any other use cases, but that that that's a really useful one. And I've I've uh, I've tested that one out myself too. In uh, in like just running trails in Toronto, anytime, especially you have uh, switchbacks, or anytime you have like tight turns yeah. and and yeah. where the trail is close to each other, and especially if you have any kind of tree cover, GPS, even the most you know the best chipsets with multiple band GPS that are better than they used to be. They're they're gonna rob you of distance in a pretty powerful way. So I I totally have have experienced this where if I have my stride or even just like a Garmin footpod on my that's properly calibrated on my foot, uh, I get a much more realistic distance track that like that. And I've measured it with. Uh, i've measured it I, there's just one trail that i've measured with a bike uh with a with a speed sensor on the wheel so that it's you know and again calibrated to the dam of the wheel so that i know that i have a pretty good idea of what the trail length actually is in reality um and the uh, the foot pod gives me a much more accurate distance and therefore
3: speed or pace uh measurement than than gps alone yeah and when you're um yeah with the like the course with relying on gps for its power meter its power reading mm-hmm. uh, I yeah i really noticed um when i was just doing some trials last week in the trees um so we have redwood forest here in Rotorua. uh it's just so so underrepresented so laggy like it just <laughs> yeah. um yeah which is it's yeah it's interesting that like how how where's all this data coming from because overall when when you look at like the speed. Data it it comes up okay, like Mm -hmm. when you're looking at the GPS data, and even retro retroactively, you look at it and the trace looks fine. It doesn't look like they had big straight lines. Oh, really? Okay. Um. So, yeah, I don't. It's it's about how they average and smooth and display and stuff. And but um, but yeah, going back to to running power, like uh, that has nothing to do with the power meter reading. That just has the the like. It's just like, in that sense, it's super advanced foot pod.
1: The the utility of a foot pod though, like I think it's still valid or at least having the functionality. Um, I can't find them for sale anymore. I don't know if I'm the only person who thinks this, but uh, um, like having them for pacing, I find so much more accurate. Um, But again, I don't use power, so maybe power is the next step forward. But I I still think there's a lot of validity in something that uh, a lot of people have dropped just in favor of GPS which, as we said, has huge problems.
3: Yeah, with the, um, yeah, I don't know. I've got one of those Garmin foot pods as well. I'll check for you, Andrew. We'll see what if my, <laughs> my Garmin wholesale website still has them. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, people just, they don't, they just forgot yeah. about those kind of things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're less they're less of a thing now these days for sure uh so well offline when we were speaking about uh about this topic you also told me about ways that you use the stride to do metabolic testing do you want to talk a little bit about that
3: yep sweet so yeah with the like with the stride or running power like i was saying for the most part like if you're using it the way um i've kind of mentioned like with ignoring kind of the nuance of like running on trails and stairs and mm-hmm. you've, you've got like an inner city marathon, uh, which is where most marathons really take place. Uh, yep. and so you're going to get, you, you're going to get better accuracy, um uh, from the, from the foot pod in terms of GPS. So, you know, cause things can bounce off trees and the buildings and everything. Um, mm-hmm. so then, yeah, you are getting a better representation of like the metabolic cost of running, uh, and mm-hmm. so we use, uh, critical, well, we running, um, like power proponents, um, use a critical power model of testing as opposed to okay. like yep. a threshold. Um, and this is especially cause with the, with running, you can have like wildly different, uh, profiles in terms of like your power duration curve versus doing your standard 20 minute test um which would be you know like a 5k for most people uh so stride has they when you sign up they'll say you know you got to do your, your critical power test and we won't get into the that because like the term critical power because it doesn't really correlate to running like it does for cycling, <laughs> um, yeah. because there's no real asymptote. But uh, they do three and nine minutes, and I was like, This is like for cycling, you can do time based things because no one really cycles based off of a set distance, you know. Um, but three and nine minutes for running is it's quite hard to get your head around, like you know, we think about 1Ks or we think about the two mm-hmm. K interval and to go oh, okay. all yeah. out for a nine minutes is kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so there's that. So I was like, Oh, I don't yeah. know about this. And then, um, and then I didn't believe nine minutes to be long enough.
2: That was my gut feel about it too. When I first saw it, I was like, eh, I kind of want something a little bit longer.
3: Yeah. Uh, especially yeah, with running, the application of running economy, which can be yeah, so wildly different, and like anaerobic and aerobic thresholds, most people can get through nine minutes and kind of bluff their way through, like quite mm. and uh, at a higher relative percentage um, of their threshold, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so my test is one um, k and five k, um, and so okay. yeah. I have a calculator on my on my website, drwilloconnor.com uh but so that way we can get 1k everyone knows 1k go all out for 1k like that's pretty understandable and that's pretty close to Mm -hmm. your three minute to five minute for a lot of people like peak power which is a a good uh good first mark on your critical power curve um and then Mm -hmm. the 5k again is a really really solid duration and uh to represent your aerobic threshold so the other mm-hmm. end of your power duration curve um and then you guys must have spoken about that kind of stuff um, yeah
2: power duration is something on the bike we haven't touched it on no, running it's the we same principle right you
3: got area under the curve and death then death on the bike you can totally. um yeah. look at the decay and then you can work on certain areas under that that curve um something mm-hmm. yeah and you can profile your athletes based on where they're you know where they where they where they
2: live and where you know where they need work yeah where they There's do a another, lot of their training yeah, and you can
3: have a look at where they haven't yeah. done a lot of their training so i guess yeah that's like kind of another uh, another insight you get with a running power meter is like mm-hmm. when you're looking at pace and you go, know, like i run a lot on uh, like we're super undulating with a volcanic land uh, around Rotorua that I live in and so my pace is always slow like even I don't know yeah I do know how they calculate normalized graded pace but it's kind of just an algorithm of an algorithm to represent the metabolic cost of running (laughs) up and downhill and it just doesn't work so it doesn't work um and then like training peaks you can't just select normalized graded pace just to like on the graph you can't you can't graph uh, it, yeah. That's right. Just, yeah. Just, I,
2: I've, I haven't used it in so long that I just oh, like, okay, I don't sorry, even think yeah. about it until, until you mentioned it on this podcast. I, I totally forgot that it even existed. I, know, most I remember people like it, even, it the lives. only
3: Strava because yeah. it has gap, great adjusted pace. And people are like, Yeah, that was the fastest. Oh, okay. was, they yeah. only put that in there because it makes run look faster. But, um, <laughs> so, so I'm always running slow, so I'm always like, um, no one uses grade adjusted pace or normalized graded pace to, to do your like time and zones or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. so if you've done some intervals, you've done some hill repeats, it's like, yeah, you spent like the last month in zone one and two. Like, no, I didn't. I was bloody running. super. if you're just looking at pace, you know, but then you get these power (laughs) profiles and you go, okay, cool. I was, you know, I spent, you know, lots of time in my one minute zone and 120% FTP and stuff. Um, And, and so, yeah, again, you're getting a better idea of both mechanical and metabolic work that you're able to prescribe in training, especially around hill repeats um, and sprints and things where the GPS lag and and definitely heart rate is just not going to give you any of that information. Um, Got it. So, yeah, set your thresholds. All right, do that test. Do a 1K all out. Um, and then a few days later, do a 5K or do it reverse, whatever. Just do them within a week or so. Uh, oh, you wouldn't do it on the same day, huh? Because nah. I, I think all the testing I've seen was all do it all on the same yeah, day. Yeah, like a three and a nine minute you can do on the same day, but try and do all out 1K the same day as all out 5K. Your, your, your 5K is going to suck. Um, <laughs> and so the other good thing that like the athletes I work with, they really like it is like, I don't care what your 5K time is. You know, we're getting into cycling territory yeah. here. Like I don't care what your time is. Like this is a power threshold yeah. test. Like do it wherever you want. Do it on like a, mm-hmm. like don't do it straight uphill, but also yeah. you can do it straight uphill as well if you wanted, because we're just looking at like what what's your absolute power number what's your average power across this across this five kilometer or one kilometer so the fact you did 17 minutes or 23 minutes doesn't really matter to me Hmm. um so um so then yeah we get we get the number and now we we set our zones and that's just how you'd set zones otherwise um and so now when we're yeah when we're training prescribing uh prescribing training based off of standard zone systems um mm-hmm. but then yeah so once you've done that getting started with running power because people like you michael was saying like i did it i didn't really know what to look at and it was all over the show and stuff is uh it's just run with it like just have it on your data screen to see what's happening do some workouts and some efforts um some runs purely off of power. Mm-hmm. Like just have that your only data screen on maybe time. Um, and so, you, you know, so you're just pacing and feeling, getting a gauge of like how power correlates to your pace and what that means for heart rate and what does a constant power output mean across an hour versus a constant pace or a constant heart rate. Um, and from there, you just start to you start to get an understanding and incorporate the running power metric into one of your analytical metrics. Um and then from yeah, from that, I think that's probably like enough for most people because then when you start to yeah, get on the starting point, yeah. <laughs> leg spring stiffness and vertical oscillation. Like you need to know quite a bit about running biomechanics and then how to fix them as well mm-hmm. but pretty much um so for my blog they'll it'll probably come it'll probably be out when this this podcast comes out uh, next week which is around how i adjusted cadence and how that affected how that improved my running economy and form power so drastically and for hmm. middle-aged people uh <laughs> who generally sit sit down all day like the best way to improve your running economy and maybe that's a part two,
2: because uh, I'm, uh, you know, as, as as much as I was skeptical about, you know, the utility of running with power to begin with, I am even more skeptical about all, some of these other metrics, because, you know, in the conversations that I've had with folks, and, you know, that maybe this is a teaser for part two, like I said, uh, with, with folks who know way more about, you know, or much better, well, I'm not a biomechanist, but who are biomechanists and who are, you know, uh, running gate intervention folks, uh, a lot of these metrics to them, at least, they don't meet there's just not a not a ton of understanding of how to use them in 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 interventions you know like okay so what does it mean that your leg spring stiffness is this can you change it how do you change it do you want to change it do you know like all of these questions that that are that are at least in my my you know conception of the running world don't have answers so maybe that's a maybe that's a good
3: part too yeah this is a tough one right because i mean when you came on our show you talked about um uh was it so you measured the time that it part uh, when you're doing this uh, aerodynamics analysis, and you measure was it the 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 time it takes to go between the two sensors or something like that on the road? What was that thing? Oh, that the when I was when I was talking about like the protocols for testing. Yeah, yeah, is that what you're yeah. talking
2: about? Yeah, with Aerotune, there was just the, their protocol is you know you pick up flat. Patch of ground, and you go, you know, you go A to B and B to A, and it's a certain distance apart. um But yeah, with running with 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 aerodynamic stuff, it's you know you're very very prone to errors in in your measurements. So that's where a lot of the that's what you're trying to eliminate by by doing the repeated test runs, so that you're trying to average out the errors that are introduced by all of your sensors and the drift. Yeah, that's in them. so
3: like and this because um for those who are want to listen in, on on Alpaca podcast oh you had matt on about bracase right because i was yeah so the first like he's got this brand new piece of technology and the first thing people do is like well that's not going to work here's why it doesn't work here's what it doesn't measure and it's one of those mm-hmm. things where you're like i'm a i'm a specialist um you know and i i'm i'm a running gate analyst you know analytical like um expert and like it can't do this and so mm-hmm. then and you're like yeah it, it doesn't like it's a consumer wearable." Like it's not, it's uh, it's not a um, yeah, high. It's not a lab on your foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, I think yeah, these new technologies they they get a hard hard rap, and that's where, like, that's where I like to say, like, for Steve Palladino is trying to be like a metabolic cart on your foot, and then mm-hmm. um, for someone who's like, well, it, it yeah, it doesn't like how does this? It doesn't work on um trail so it's not worthwhile i kind of sit in the middle where i'm like mm-hmm. like this thing is really providing so much value especially in pacing races that have undulations in them and, and prescribing more accurate training um mm-hmm. alongside pace and heart rate that it's uh yeah it's just a really valuable piece of piece of tech and I think that's a really good place to wrap this up. And
2: I think that's just like that's a really, I think that's a really nuanced take on it. And uh, and I, I I'm a fan of nuanced <laughs> takes. That there is. Uh, you, I'm. You know, look, I'm. Uh, consider me sold. I think there is uh, for the sort of the price and the ease of use. Like that's that's another thing that we never really talked about because, like, and again, you know, I'm a hammer and and aerodynamic testing is my nail. Um, aerodynamic testing is fucking hard. It's it's so it's so it's like it's not easy to do it right. It it doesn't matter how what kind of technology you have. It's just hard to do. But putting a, a stride foot pod on your foot and and going to run with it, and then even if you can use it for half the stuff that stride tells you, you can use it for, um, even if you're, all you're going to do is, is pace your, you know, your hill repeats or, or pace your, your hilly marathon on it. That's value. That's like legit un you know, undiluted value that you probably wouldn't have without it. Um, and maybe, you know, and the fact that it doesn't exactly do the thing that you thought it would, it would help you do then, you know, that's, that that's, that's kind of life. So, Uh, I sort of uh, I think that's a that's a good place to wrap it up. Well, thank you for uh, for taking the time and uh, and giving us this uh, this nuanced take on this technology that I had sort of kind of still strapped to my foot, but don't think twice about. Yeah. Sorry. Well, thanks for having me on. Listeners, as always, thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us. Um, if you like the show, give us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Although I think I've already said this, you can't really rate us on anything other than iTunes, at least this last time I checked. Uh, and if you really like what we, what we do and you feel like supporting us, um, we're at uh, Patreon and that's at patreon.com slash endurance innovation. Thanks everyone.